What's going on, guys? Um, welcome back to the Wade Concept. Um, today, we're getting back to the old roots of the Wade Concept. We are... Um, hi, welcome in, everyone. Sorry, I'm messing with OBS. Um, stream's already a little laggy, so if something does happen, you know, let me know. Kelsey's already in the chat. Let's go. Um, if you guys don't know, as you can see right now... Um, well, we're going to do Wade's picks. So, um, trying to, like I said, get back to the format of the old Wade concept to uh, really stick with the UFC, uh, at least today, and, and talk about some some interesting fights coming up, some happenings in the world of, of MMA. And, um, yeah, we're going to see how it goes. Again, the stream is, is a little laggy. We're still trying to figure that part out, but... If you guys are tuning in and watching, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it, man. So today we're going to pick uh, UFC 228, as you guys can see right there. I've got all the fights that we're going to pick. So I thought I'd switch up the uh, the way we're going to do this a little bit. I think we're going to do two fights from the pre... One from the prelim, one from the Fox prelim, and then all five fights on the main card. Um, I'm predicting I go 7-0 and just because, you know... That's what I do. I win predictions. Um, you can ask Kelsey in the chat. Let her, you know, let her tell you. Let her explain my greatness when it comes to me being able to pick fights. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I just do this. So we're gonna do that. Um, and if I lose, we'll see. We'll try to think of some interest, interesting punishment for me um, to do for you guys and uh, to give you guys a little more content. So. We're going to go straight off the bat. I, I wanted to pick one fight from, I think there's three on the preliminary card and then three on the Fox prelim, on the UFC Fight Pass and the Fox prelim. Um, and I wanted to pick one of those two from each one and go from there. So uh, we're going with the veteran Diego Sanchez versus Craig White. And this fight, I don't particularly know a lot about Craig White. He only has one other fight in the UFC, and I think he got... Uh, stopped by Aljamain Sterling, I want to say. Shogun, my man, what's going on? Welcome, welcome. Um, there's only he's only had one other fight before this fight, and it's probably the reason they're giving him. Or no, excuse me, Aljamain Sterling. I always, uh, for whatever reason, get Aljamain Sterling and um, Neil Magny like mixed up for whatever reason. I don't understand why. Um, it says I'm moving a little slow on my live stream. Let me know if you guys are having issues with the live stream. Again, I'm sorry. We're I'm trying my best to keep it to keep it pretty low usage, but you know we're, we're still figuring some stuff out. So let me know. Um, but yeah, we are we're talking about. UFC 228, uh, Diego Sanchez, Craig White. I don't know a lot about Craig White. He got stopped by Neil Magny in his debut fight in the UFC. Um, so it's not not a lot there. Diego Sanchez, obviously the legend out of Jackson Winkle John's camp in New Mexico. I've uh, been fighting for, feels like, almost 20 years. Uh, I know it's, it's probably been close to that. So he's a veteran in the game. Uh, he's going to come prepared, going to make weight. All the things you expect out of a veteran. 
and um, you know, going to bite down on that mouthpiece, move forward, and fight like a dog. That's what Diego Sanchez does. That's what he's the best at. Um, and I, I fully expect him to not really change a lot. I expect him to do the exact same things he always does. Um, it gets in, into a lot of trouble, especially lately with him having, you know, being a veteran also comes with having a weathered chin. And unfortunately for Diego, he is he has been rocked a, a good amount of times and been, and been KO'd and flatlined by a lot of guys. And off of his last fight with Matt Brown, if you guys didn't watch, uh, Matt Brown cracked him with a uh, short elbow in the clinch and uh, flatlined him. You never like to see that. Um, it was a spectacular knockout from two veterans in a, in a you know, in a dog fight, and that's the type of fights Diego Sanchez thrives in or used to, and uh, it, it doesn't look like he's going to change his fighting style anytime soon. So, I uh, I fully expect him to come flying out of the gates, like I said, snapping down on that mouthpiece and throwing big bombs and uh, winging shots and and just getting in there and, and mixing it up, getting down and and making it a dog fight. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. So, we'll see. Um, you know, I. I I don't think that that this Craig White gentleman has anything to offer for Diego Sanchez. He's fourteen and eight, and that's outside of the UFC. He's zero and one in the UFC, and he, you know, and the high level or the highest level in the UFC, he definitely wouldn't make it. Diego Sanchez isn't quite at the highest level anymore, but he's still kind of that gatekeeper around one seventy um, for people that are trying to make a name and trying to you know move up in that division. You got to get past some of these older veterans that are still holding it down. So um, I don't expect. Uh, Craig White to do that and so my first pick of UFC 228 is going to be Diego Sanchez so um, that's what we're leading off the card with now I know there are fights in between this one and Jimmy or yeah and Jimmy Rivera and John Dotson I know there are a couple fights in between but I'm not going to cover every fight um, it's just you know it's too much I don't have enough research on a lot of the guys pick wisely yeah Kelsey's getting bombed on this this card. I'm letting you guys know now. Kelsey's getting just destroyed the entire card. I'm going 7-0. You guys can think what you want. I'll be reacting live to the fight, so obviously tune in. Diego by what? Good good question, Shogun. I would say Diego by either... I mean, the way Diego fights, I, I, you would think Diego by stoppage, but just because he is such a pressure fighter... Um, even if he doesn't get that stoppage, I would say Diego by by decision. I know he's not going out there looking for decisions, but the way he pressures and the way he, he stays on his opponent over and over and over, the cardio is going to be there. Um, you know, fighting out of that Jackson camp, he, he's been there for years. He's kind of the first guy there. He was he was the team captain there. I don't know if he still is, but I, I know some of the news we, we'll talk about in a little bit, he's been coming out and, and talking about, the Donald Cerrone situation. So I'd assume he's still the, one of the team captains over there and they're known for that card that, you know, a lot of their cardio over there as well as, you know, phenomenal technique and, you know, at least used to be a, a killer training camp. I would assume that, that if he doesn't get the finish, which I think Diego's looking for, um, I'll say he wins in a decision just strictly based off of his pace and the fact that he's going to walk forward um, and control the, the tempo of the fight by doing so. Uh, pressure is is the hardest thing to quantify in fighting in, in MMA and in combat sport because you can't give someone a point for you know dictating the fight tempo, but you can for octagon control, right? That's what that's kind of what octagon control has become is is basically a fighter's can a, a fighter's pressure on another fighter is octagon control. 
And so they found a way to, I guess, somewhat uh, figure out how to to score it for a fighter that is pushing pace, that is actively trying to seek uh, a physical confrontation and move forward with the fight. And at, at the very least, that's at the very least, Diego will do that. So I, I would say either TKO or he gets a decision win. So, moving on, we have an interesting fight that a lot of people aren't really talking about that I think is, is super interesting and could have a, a pretty lasting effect on this 135 division. We're talking about Jimmy Rivera and uh, John Dotson. Now, John Dotson, if you guys don't remember, had been has is one of the people, one of the, I think, two people to beat TJ Dillashaw. If you guys don't remember, uh, they were on the same season of The Ultimate Fighter, and John Dotson beat uh, TJ Dillashaw in the finale. And I think fought a couple fights at 135 and then moved to 125. Now he's back at 135 and he's fighting against one of the more dangerous guys in the division. Um, coming off a loss, albeit. But Jamie Rivera, uh, you know, granted, Shogun, a long time ago. But John Dotson still is a very fast, explosive fighter. His loss and decisions where I, you know, rec- up, uh, recently that I didn't necessarily agree with. I think he is one of the more explosive guys in that division. Does possess knockout power. We've seen it. Um, at that weight class, you know, he's quick, he's very precise, um, very, very energetic, can move around the cage, cardio is not an issue, uh, but again, going against one of the guys that, that you know, is, is looking to break into that top three or four in that division and stay there is Jimmy Rivera, and Jimmy Rivera obviously possesses uh, a significant amount of wrestling, some big power with the, with the stand-up game, but, you know, coming off a loss, um, and a devastating loss to uh, Marlon Marais. That's that's going to find. This is him trying to find that traction to get back up into that top three or four, and hopefully vie. One, the winner of this fight is going to at some point try to vie for that uh, Cody Garbrandt fight, or maybe even a TJ Dillashaw matchup somewhere down the line. So this is a big this is a big fight that really not a lot of people are talking about on the card, and I think personally that this is going to be one of these fights that. Something spectacular is going to happen, whether it's John Dotson landing one of his his overhand lefts and ending the show, or it's uh, Jimmy Rivera finding a way to to ground and pound and some vicious top game on John Dotson. I think something's going to happen, or it could be a back and forth where you know both guys get shots in and you just see a high energy output from both guys, and of course you know the lighter weight classes, you know they fly around. That cardio's nonstop, and you can see, you know, a back and forth fight that comes down to it, and ultimately probably one of the most entertaining fights of the night, in my opinion. Shogun, yeah, fight of the night, 100%. I could definitely see that, um, just because of the fact that both these guys are very high level. John Dotson really goes under the radar. He's again lost some decisions, uh, especially recently, but um, and then had some people call out or cancel out on fights. So you know, not his fault. But he is getting an opportunity here at 135, so I expect both guys to put on an amazing showing. But knowing what I know, at least as of recently, uh, Jimmy Rivera, what is he? He has one loss. His last fight was his his only loss. And I usually don't tend to pick guys that have just gotten knocked out uh, to come back and win their next fight unless they are great, unless they are, you know, mentally a great fighter, mentally one of the great fighters, um, physically one of the great fighters, and, and just to possess that intangible that you don't see every day. Um, I usually just, you don't want to pick a guy that's getting, just been head kicked 
and loses his fight to come back and win his next fight in spectacular fashion. But I do think Jimmy Rivera is one of the greats, man. I, I could see him winning this fight and potentially, and you guys know I'm a huge Cody Garbrandt fan, potentially matching up with Cody Garbrandt and giving Cody Garbrandt some problems. Um, and maybe even TJ Dillashaw, because Jimmy Rivera possesses that wrestling that maybe TJ, while he does have a wrestling background, does not have the same uh, background as a, as a Jimmy Rivera. So, that being said, we're going with Jimmy Rivera. And I'll say, I like Shogun's fight of the night uh, prediction. I could definitely see that. A very, very close uh, fight that comes down to another decision that possibly John Dawson does get on the other side of. Um, so I'll say, yeah, I'll say Jimmy Rivera by unanimous decision. So Shoga and I are, are about the same on that one. I'll, I'll, I'll switch up. I'll go Diego Sanchez by TKO or KO. Uh, we'll go mid second and then unanimous decision for Jimmy Rivera. And, and that's nothing to be scoffed at. If this fight is amazing and he wins a unanimous decision, that just shows his skill as a martial artist. I can't stand the whole... Don't let it go to the judges. Yes, you know, that, of course, you want to decide the fight on your own, but if you're fighting your best fight and completely outclassing the person, a unanimous decision is just as good as, as a TKO or a KO um, if the opportunity doesn't present itself for you to take advantage of that that KO. So we're going to go with Jimmy Rivera. You know what I'm saying? Again, 2-0, uh, already calling it. You know, Kelsey's already 0-2. Uh, you guys think of a punishment for Kelsey. Obviously, you know, that won't be on camera or anything, but other than being, you know, my girlfriend because I'm such a terrible boyfriend, that's its punishment in its own right. <laughs> um, but find something for her as well because she's taking that loss. I'm telling you, she's taking a loss. Um, <laughs> she didn't like that. All right, moving on. We have Nico Price and Abdul Al Hassan. Again, we are starting off the uh, the main card with this fight. Uh, again, don't know a lot about Nico Price, unfortunately, but um, I do know a little bit about Adul Hassan. And what I know about Adul Hassan is by watching his last couple of fights. Shave her head? Oh, yikes. Shogun showing no mercy. Shave her head, he says. I don't think Kelsey would would be on board with that Shogun. Unfortunately, man, I don't think she would uh she would like that too much. But um yeah, so Adul Hassan just coming off of a controversial one controversial win, and then uh with a controversial finish, and uh, in his next fight rematch, same opponent and a spectacular knockout. So um I do not think that that. This fight is too hard to pick for me. Just seeing the explosiveness that uh, Adul uh, Al-Hassan possesses. I think that um, a fighter like that with experience in the UFC with with a big-time win um, on, on a pay-per-view card before, all these things factor in. And while I might not know uh, the backstory of a Nico Price, I do know that when I see a guy as explosive and it's technical, and it beats not only the same guy twice, but both times in a spectacular fashion. Um, that tends to, to raise the eyebrows a little bit. So, not a lot. Nico Price, is he from Florida? Um, Let me see. Yeah, he's from Cape Canaveral. 
uh, brown belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I mean, he's 12-1. and one. It's just the thing that I don't have, the only thing I have is a win over Randy Brown as, as, a, as a significant win for him. Oh, never mind. We have a win over Alan Joban. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's a big win. Uh, the Randy Brown win's a big win, too. He's uh, semi-new in the UFC. Has a couple of fights. Has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six fights in the UFC. So, veteran. Veteran in the in for the last couple of years. Hasn't went over Brandon Thatch. Well, shit. Anyway, um... You know what? I have it preloaded already, so we're just going to go with what I have. Uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, Abdul Al-Hassan catching the W. Again, I, I've only seen... I haven't seen Nico Price fight. I've only seen uh, Abdul Al-Hassan fight. And uh, very explosive on the feet. Uh, very, very quick. I think he knocked the guy out with a jab in his last fight. Before that, it was a, a knee, a, a legal knee. And an early stoppage. So, um, but he righted all that with with his last knockout. It's all I've seen from the guy. So we're gonna go with that again. I, I don't know too much about those guys, so I apologize if I'm just missing the boat and they're the next you know big thing. But we'll see. I'm gonna be watching this this Saturday, so we'll see. Next up, we have Jessica Andraj versus Carolina Kovalkiewicz or Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Excuse me. Um, interesting fight, man. And it's, it's one that's hard to pick for me because I've seen both these ladies fight. I've seen Jessica Andrade fight in person. And I don't know how this fight's going to go. Jessica Andrade, obviously a tank. An absolute tank that walked while she lost the fight to um, to Ioane and Jacek. Walked absolutely right through everything and Jacek had. Just like getting peppered by jabs and right hands, uh, combos, body kicks, leg kicks, and just walked right through every single one of them. Um, but she's a, a human tank. Her takedowns are vicious. She picks girls up like she's like she's in Dirty Dancing. She's Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing. Picks them up and then pile drives them into the floor like Goldberg. Like it's it's insane to watch a a, a hundred and. and 15-pounder do the things that she does. Murdered Claudia. Absolutely just... So, for for perspective, if no one saw her fight Claudia Gadeja, imagine walking through a door. No real resistance there, right? An open door. You just, you're walking right through it. Not really any resistance. You just come out on the other side, right? That's basically what happened in the fight. She just kind of had to go through the cage, faced zero resistance... And walked out the other side with a W. Like it, it, it was, it was that easy. So, um, that's scary. But Carolina Kovalkiewicz is is a very tactical uh, striker that also has some clinch work. That also knows, uh, uh you know, uh, knows what she's doing in the clinch, and uh, can take a, can take some shots. And when I when I say that, it isn't just from watching her fight. Joanna and Jacek, she she landed on Joanna a lot, and this is, ta- this is we're talking about Joanna, who is, uh, you know, we can say it over and over, but she's probably the the best one fifteen at least at the moment to have ever done it in the women's women's division. And with that being said, she's probably one of the best strikers to have ever done it in the women's division. Um, but she's she's she got 
into that space that Joanna doesn't like right in her face and was able to make Joanna miss at least well enough to be able to counter strike and hit her with some big shots. Um, again, her clinch game is, is something not to be, you know, not to be taken lightly, but this is a different animal that you're dealing with with Jessica Andrade. And if you can keep her at distance, if you can find a way to, to pepper her like Joanna did and, and score points and throw the jab, throw the jab, throw some combos and just keep her at distance, avoid takedowns, I could see Carolina or Carolina outpointing and winning the fight. But here's the thing. I don't think that's going to happen. And honestly, it, this is me picking as a fan as much as, you know, I consider myself a uh, MMA analyst or whatever. I, I pick all my fights as a fan because that's exactly what I am and it's exactly what you guys are. We're, we're fans of this sport and we want to see good fights and we pick based on the fact that we want to see those good fights. You know, we don't pick to go, okay, well, I'm going to pick who's going to outpoint and this is, you know, even if that's probability of what's going to happen, I want to see Jessica Andrade walk through the cage, toss people on their heads and leave. That That's what I want to see and that's what I think is going to happen. I, her, I mean... Jessica Andrade has gone five rounds. Carolina's gone five rounds. I didn't see any cardio issues from either of them. I mean, Andrade was walking forward on Joanna in their fight in the fifth round. It was like she could not be hurt by any punch. It's like juggernaut in there. Uh, so I would love to see you know her walk forward, clasp those hands, and and send Carolina for a ride or two. So that's why we're going with Jessica Andrade. I think she gets it done. Um, I'll say that Jessica Andrade gets it done by... I don't think she stops Carolina. I don't think she stops her. Um, unless she just hits her with a big shot or uh, some vicious ground and pound where she just... Carolina can't get up off her back or can't cage walk. So I'll say... Unanimous. Maybe split. Maybe a split decision. Maybe, maybe we see that first kind of controversial fight of the night where we we don't really know who won the fight it could be that even but if if um Jessica Andrade gets the over under and clasps those hands together Carolina's going for a ride and I could see that happening multiple times which could be the you know the final determinant of the fight so there we go with that now I'm sure you guys know about Zabit I cannot pronounce his last name I'm working on it let me try actually because you guys deserve better than me making excuses. Where's it at? UFC 228. I'm doing this for you guys. I'm going to pronounce his name completely incorrectly. But we're going to try. Let's see. Okay. Zabit Magomed Shapirov. Magomed Shapirov. Magomed Sheri Sheripov. All right. Never doing that again. Um <laughs> Zabit uh versus Brandon Davis. I've seen Brandon Davis fight one time on the UFC Boston card, and I think he got darsed. I want to say he got darsed. No, Yunan. Lost to Kyle Bokniak by unanimous decision. Um, newer to the to the UFC, fought on the Dana White Container uh, Contender Series. 
Chogan says, I think she will hit a lot, get hit a lot in the first, and then out wrestle Carolina for the next two. I could definitely see that. I could see uh, Carolina coming out and, and establishing that jab, establishing range, and uh, Andrade just walking right through it. And finally, like you said, toward the end of that second round and into the third, being able to to finally outlast and get that, like I said, those hands clasped and, and toss her around a little. Um, but yes, I am am very excited for this to be our Zabit fight. Josh, what's going on? Tyron Woodley's a douche. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a little bit in depth what's going on with with the title fight. Um, I actually happen to like Tyron Woodley. Uh, I think he, you know, we'll get into it. But I understand why public perception is that he is a douche and he is, you know, kind of hard to work with. A little bit of a prima donna. I understand that too. Um, Zabit versus Brandon Davis. Plain and simple, Zabit's going to win this fight, and it could get ugly. We're talking about one of the highest level strikers in this 145 division. A guy that um, has some some techniques that that you would see with like with a Conor McGregor, with a, a Darren Till, with a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Good length for the division as well. Um, very quick, snappy jab. His cross is very powerful. Um, does have an issue a little bit with, when his shots don't particularly hurt someone. Um, Josh, it'd be, a, it'd be a tough fight. You had to give me more than a hundred dollars to fight Tyron Woodley. You, I, I would need my, I would need some, uh, I need to be set for a little bit if I'm going to go in there with that guy. He, that right hand might remove part of my face or anyone's face. That's not accustomed to being hit by what's basically a wrecking ball. Um, but Sabit is is one of these guys that that come along that are high high level strikers that also have, I mean plus let's not forget this guy's Dagestani, so of course he has a wrestling background that is going to be very hard to take this guy down. If you watch any of his fights, he's very very hard to take down, and when you can't take him down, then he peppers you. But there is there is a little if I you know this is very very small, but a little. Thing I could say about Zabit is, is when his shots don't really particularly hurt anyone, um, starts to get a little tired, starts to get a little frustrated, starts to open up a little bit. And if that were to, does he wrestle bear? I'm, I think if you're born, by the way, and I know I'm getting off topic, I think if you're born in Dagestan, I think you, that's like a rite of passage. When you're like four or five years old, you got to go wrestle the bear out back that apparently everyone has in their yard chained up. Um, for sure, call PETA, someone, please. Um, no, but I think that's like a rite of passage as to how you, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to wrestle, if you if you want to be a true Dagestani, you got to, even the girls, I bet, have to go out and, and wrestle like some, some bear cubs or at least like a dog, something, right? Um, or, you you know, they, they, they just like chastise you from the village. They just, they just throw you out and, and, you know, you're ostracized from the entire whole process now you're Russian you're not Dagestani that's a whole nother like thing they don't they don't consider themselves Russian anyway I think Zabit gets uh gets a pretty easy win here I'll go um I will go with TKO I think Zabit lands some big shots I think he's out to prove that his last fight even though he won by unanimous decision um I think he's out to prove that you know he is a true contender at this 145, and and I'm telling you, watch this guy's striking ability. It is it is top tier, 
top tier in the likes of uh, an Edson Barboza, uh, a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, he is very, very high level, very highly skilled striker. Did break his hand. That's why he's been out for so long. Um, but uh, I, 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 I'm excited to see it, and I think he does. I think he does in this fight with a TKO. I will say late third. I think finally the pressure, the shots become too much, and uh, he puts he puts Brandon Davis away. So we're gonna go with Zabit. Okay, now we get into the co-main event of the evening, and we are talking about, of course, Nico Montano or Montagna versus I completely butchered her name versus she's the champion for Christ's sake, Jesus versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Go to the zoo to see tigers. Tigers go to the zoo to see Mike Tyson. McGregor will. Oh, geez, you guys are going ham in the in the chat. McGregor will win, then go on to fight Mayweather again. Senior says they are already talking again. We will we will talk more Conor McGregor, maybe in a little bit today. We'll talk a little bit today about it. But um, very well could happen. Very well could happen. I mean, Conor's a smart guy, smart businessman. Um, if he wins this fight. Do whatever the hell you want, because at this point, if you beat Khabib, I mean, it's going to be hard not to consider him. Obviously, the only part that you're not going to be able to consider is his title defenses. He won't have any. But it's hard to, to consider him not one of the greatest to ever do it at that point, if, if, this, if this were to be the case. And we'll talk about that more when their fight comes on. But uh, Alex Jones will fight Mark Rubio. They're not. They, they wouldn't allow it. They're, Alex Jones wouldn't be allowed to be on YouTube to even compete in the card. They would just. They, they would blur. They would just say fighter unknown or player one or uh, anonymous. They would just blur Alex Jones, all of him, just every part, every pixel, every part of his body, including like the half gone hair and even his boxing gloves. And they would just Marco Rubio versus blur. Josh ain't been in in a while. You guys haven't been in in a while. Um, yeah, rest in peace, InfoWars. So I, I like it, man. I like a lively chat. Anyway, Nico Montano versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Guys, I, I hate to admit this, but most of the time in the UFC, there is pure competition, especially at the highest form. Like You don't go into a title fight most of the time knowing what's going to happen, right? You don't particularly know who is going to win the fight or what the outcome will be based upon. What I don't particularly like about this fight um, is the fact that Valentina Shevchenko is a murderer. She is a killer, a Polish destroyer. And Nico Montagna has come out and said she's going to knock her out in the first round. I watched The Ultimate Fighter season 22 or 25, 22. And while Nico did well, there was nothing to stand out um, as far as her striking ability, as far as her, her ground game, her jiu-jitsu. Nothing really stuck out from anyone else on the show. She happened to get a lot of decision wins. Completely fine. Valentina Shevchenko beat Amanda Nunes. I don't care what that split decision said. Valentina Shevchenko beat the 135-pound champion who's going to fight Cyborg next. This girl is a killer. And we used the reference earlier about walking through an open door. Valentina Shevchenko, mark my words, will walk right through 
Nico Montagna. That's no disrespect to her. She's done very well to get where she's at. This is a very new division, so you're not going to see the level of competition that you would see in a division that's been around for a long time, i.e. the 115 women's division, um, the 155, I mean, any of the men's divisions. But you see it at 145, Cyborg has really no challengers. Why? Because she cleans out everyone, and there's no one to contend for her title. 125, while people will move back and forth, um... To get into that division, it is a new division. And so at the top of the division might not be the most talented 125er in the world. Unless your name is Valentina Shevchenko, which in my opinion, she is the most talented 125er in the world. She's going to walk right through Nico Montagna. She's either going to knock her out in the middle of the second or third round. Or um, it'll be a dominating unanimous decision win. But... I, I say that she knocks her out. I say that, that uh, Valentino's striking is going to be way too much. That Nico Montagna has not seen not only the variety of striking that uh, Valentina possesses. Her kicks are nasty. Her combos are deadly. Uh, but the power, when she hits, it hurts. And you saw Amanda Nunez take some of her shots, and it didn't look like she wanted any more at the end of that fight. Now, I know it's ifs, ands, and buts. If, around, if, if there was a sixth round, if there was this... If there was a sixth round in that fight, Nico Montagna, or excuse me, Valentina Shevchenko might very well stop Amanda Nunes. So, that being said, I think Valentina Shevchenko comes out with the W and is your new 125-pound women's champion. And to be honest, if unless someone moves into that weight class that I haven't seen, I don't see anyone really challenging her for the next year, unless, again, someone just moves down. Um, she could have a stronghold on, on that division for a long, long time if she wins uh, Saturday night. And then, ladies and gentlemen, and then we have our main event of the evening. You think Holly gets down to 125? Mm, it's interesting. Holly is a natural. They say Holly is a natural 135 or 140 range. If she wants to make that weight cut, that would be a, a complete. That would be. That would be the fight that would challenge her. But I, I don't know if Holly gets down to that weight. I don't know. Because they, they, word is that she does cut a little bit to get to 35. Because she didn't look particularly very small against Cyborg at 145. And Cyborg or Holly pushed Cyborg around in that title fight. Kelsey was with me. We watched that fight. While Cyborg's punches had way more power. I mean, her right hands, they were devastating to Holly. Holly controlled every clinch situation and backed Cyborg up against the cage every single time when Cyborg was thought to be the bigger, stronger fighter. And Holly, not the wrestler, not the, the girl that could clinch as well, not be able to hang with the power of, of Cyborg, um, stood in there very tough. I mean, ate some big, big shots and still controlled every clinch situation. So if, if Holly can get down to 125, I'd love to see it. Kelsey likes it. Um, Kelsey's a big Holly fan. Um, I'm a big Holly fan, uh, but I'm also a big Valentina uh, Shevchenko fan, and I think she wins this fight pretty convincingly. So, we have gone to our main event, and yes, I, I, you guys that have been OGs of the Wade concept know that I have been rocking with Darren Till since, I think it was the before the Poland fight, maybe his third fight in the UFC. Um, this guy is special. 
And we're going to talk about both sides, but let's just talk about the fact that Darren Till is a special individual for what he is is being able to do and how his his mindset on what MMA is to him and, and what legacy means to him and what greatness means to him. And you don't hear guys other than like a Conor McGregor who's speaking the truth but in a different sense, right? He wants to be the greatest, but he also wants the lavish lifestyle, the money to be able to take care of his family for years and years and years. All you hear from Darren Till, almost to a detriment, all you hear from him is how he wants to be the greatest. That nothing else, and when he says nothing else, nothing else matters other than him being the greatest. Yeah, that Liverpool accent is a hard one to, to understand sometimes. you got to sometimes hit the rewind button. But when you do hear him talk, it, it doesn't sound like shtick, right? It doesn't sound like Darren Till is playing a character. It honestly sounds like the guy truly believes in himself and truly thinks that he is the greatest fighter in the world, regardless of weight division. Um, and that's all he wants to be. He doesn't want to be cover boy of the UFC. He doesn't want to be spotlight Darren. He wants to go in, whip ass, and leave. That's that's kind of it. That's a Stone Cold reference for you wrestling fans. Um, but that's all he wants to do. He wants to be the greatest fighter to have ever done it. In multiple weight classes, he said this. And so I think that you know when you get a guy like this that comes along, and even if it doesn't particularly go his way in this fight, you're going to see Darren Till hold gold multiple times over his career. He's my age. He's 25, and he's already... Within, I think it's six fights he has in the UFC, he's already getting a title shot. And for you guys that don't know, that's one sooner than John Jones got his title shot. John was a little younger, but it's the same experience in, in the UFC. Darren Till has one less fight under his belt in the UFC, and he's still getting that title shot. Says a lot. What also says a lot is what I'm seeing from Tyron Woodley. And it's different. Again, some fights, some situations, some matchups, most matchups, make fights, but some matchups bring out the best in individuals more so than others. What have we seen from from Tyron Woodley the last year? Absolutely nothing. We've seen him as Mr. Commentator on UFC Tonight, Mr. Uh, TMZ Sports Commentator, Reporter. Um, We haven't really seen him do anything when it comes to fighting. And even before that, Kind of lackluster fight against Damian Maya, lackluster second fight against uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Guys kind of getting on him for not really pulling the trigger and not really looking like a champion, yada, yada. And what's the first thing he says when they come to the press conference? If you guys didn't see the the summit that they do every year for the UFC, they do the, the press conference for what's going to be happening the rest of the year and what their big fights are. They stare down, right? Darren Till walks out. They stare down, and it looks like a more brisk pace from Tyron Woodley. He walks straight up to Darren Till, stares him down, shakes his hand, sits down, and he's focused. He's not not just like sunglasses laid back, I'm the best Walter Wade ever, the UFC's not giving me enough money, I'm not going to fight Tyron Woodley. It's a focus, Tyron Woodley. And I think the hunger that Darren Till has, and, and Tyron said this, the hunger that he possesses and the self-belief he possesses, has brought out an old, kind of young, scrappy Tyron Woodley. He's brought out that younger guy that was coming up through the ranks, that was fighting guys like Josh Koscheck and walking through him, right? Is knocking out Robbie Lawler. Um, I think Darren Till's brought that Tyron out. And man, it gives you goosebumps 
it gives you goosebumps to see two guys that really are going to go to war. Because it looks like Tyron Woodley is, is going to prove a point in this fight. I think he's tired of people talking about how he, you know, hasn't been putting on entertaining fights, how he's not the greatest welterweight in the world, or he's not going to be ever the greatest welterweight to do it. But uh, Shogun, to answer your question, if Woodley cleans out the division, how do you not call him the best welterweight ever? When are we going to let go of the fact that George St. Pierre, what he did was amazing and cleaned out killers, Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, Koscheck, Sarah, Matt Hughes, all huge names, all huge names, all legends. But at what point do we go, okay, well, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is going to be a Hall of Famer. Damian Maya is going to be a Hall of Famer. Robbie Lawler is going to be a Hall of Famer. Tyron Woodley beat Koscheck. They can't set up the GSP fight, so we'll never know between those two. But if he beats a Darren Till, if he beats a, a Kamaro Usman, which is another factor in this fight, he is slated to try to make weight, even though Tyron says he's not going to fight him on 24 hours notice, which I like and don't like. I've talked about it. Go check my other video. Like it. Subscribe if you're new. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if he cleans out this entire division, which we're calling death row at 170, Mike Perry, Ponzano, uh, Santiago Ponzanibio, like, if, if if he beats these guys, how do you not consider him the best? I don't know. But, on to the actual fight. Um, what do I think is going to happen in this fight? I think both guys are, are, are very intelligent fighters. And as much as this is going to be uh, a knockdown, drag-out fight, as far as, you know, it, you're going to have to take that belt off Tyron for him to give it up. Um, and that might mean knocking Tyron out. And that hasn't happened in a long time. Um... Both guys are very intelligent, and neither fighter gets enough credit for their intelligence, and there's been a lot made of, of that this week, that Tyron Woodley is is a spectacular fighter. I mean, oops, sorry about that. Spectacular fighter. Um, he People don't understand that a lot of his, his situational awareness in the cage is above anybody else, maybe uh, besides a Conor McGregor or you know other champions, but he is... Basically built the blueprint on how you beat guys like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Darren Till used the exact blueprint. How you beat a Damian Maya. I'm sure you'll see that happening more with Damian Maya coming up, even though Colby Covington just straight walked at him and 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 ran him down the entire fight. Um, but he's built the blueprint on a lot of these fighters and how to beat them. So people don't give Tyron enough uh, credit for his intelligence. Darren Till has said so. He has said, you know, People see a big overhand right and a, and a power double leg, and that's all, and a, and a great takedown offense, and that's all they see from this guy. He's the most intelligent fighter I'm going to be facing. I think that Darren Till is also intelligent as well. I don't think Darren Till is ever going to become wild in this fight. I don't think he's ever going to, unless he's in desperation mode and he knows he's losing the fight, I don't think he's ever going to just swing wildly and, and come forward marching at Tyron Woodley with no you know, caution or pace about what he's doing. Um, with that being said, this is so razor thin, guys. I mean, I have the graphic of who I think is going to win the fight, and I almost want to change it. I made two, but I've only uploaded one. So, I think, and we say this about every striker that doesn't have a lot of takedown experience, that doesn't have a lot of wrestling experience, but, you know, it's true. At the end of the day, if wrestlers can't punch you or if they get tired or if you've hurt them, the one thing they can can do uh, to control the fight is double leg you or single leg you or clinch you on the cage to regain some composure. 
if a striker gets outstruck and doesn't know how to wrestle and can't change the trajectory of the fight in any way, it's tough for him to regain that composure and regain a little, you know, shake out the cobwebs a little bit and continue to fight. Say Darren Tilk does crack Tyron. The first thing Tyron's going to do is look to clinch or grab or hold. Of course. Say Tyron pushes Darren Till up against the cage with a single leg and wrestles him to the ground from there and uses that massive frame and power in his legs to hold him there. What's Darren Till can what what can he do there? I don't know. But Darren Till is a very very big 170. It packs a lot of power with great technique. Tyron packs some of the best, biggest power I've ever seen. Um, I don't know how this weight cut's going to be, if this weight cut's going to be an issue or how it's going to go. It's definitely a big storyline. I'm choosing to overlook the weight cut strictly because I want to look at the fight itself. But it does have an, an impact. You know, if, if Darren Till does miss weight, obviously he won't be fighting for the title. Um, Tyron Woodley still says he'll fight him. But even if he does make weight, how is that going to affect his his body? Is he going to be able to recover from, from cutting so much weight in such a short amount of time? Their turnaround is usually 24 hours. I don't know these things. I just know, based on technique, Darren Till, better striker, um, looks to be you know someone that control the, could control the distance of the fight if he can keep Tyron out off of his legs. Uh, using that that long reach to try to keep Tyron at bay. The one the one thing that Tyron does have problems with, and I know I'm getting a little bit repetitive, but I do want to mention this. Tyron does have problems with bigger fighters, bigger bodies, pressuring him, pushing him against the cage and controlling tempo by basically saying, okay, cool, you want to take me down? Try it. I'm going to use my best takedown defense. I'm going to cage walk you back up and pressure you again. The guys that have done this to him and have neutralized his big right hand have also neutralized his wrestling by initiating the distance, initiating the tempo. Guys like Roy McDonald, who basically shut down every single thing that Tyron Woodley at the time could do. That big overhand right and his, his power single power doubles. Um, Nate Marquardt, the only other guy I think to knock Tyron Woodley out. A bigger guy that pressured Tyron against the cage, finally unleashed that nasty, deadly Mortal Kombat combo on him and, and knocked him out. Guys like this were bigger fighters. That put pressure on. Darren Till is a bigger fighter. That will put pressure on him. That being said, I know it's not a lot to go off of. I know this fight is razor, razor thin. The only reason I'm picking the way I am is because if I sat and looked at it 100 times, I would literally go 51-49. And I'm going to go with the young guy. I'm going with Darren Till. And before you guys kill me, if you're watching this video back or if you're in the chat, look, man, it's as simple as this. Tyron Woodley hasn't fought in a year. Ring rust is a real thing. Darren Till is active, has been active, and is hungry. Tyron Woodley, if he can flip the switch after not fighting for a year and just do that and become beast mode again, uh, more power to him. But what happens if Darren Till does decide he wants to... to if he finds a way to, to, to shut down these takedowns. Tyron Woodley is known for, at least back in the day, he's fixed that issue, but he's known for uh, uh, gassing a little bit after the first couple of rounds. Now he uses he finds a way to conserve his energy more. But how much can you really conserve if a guy is pressuring you constantly, in your face, walking you down, letting big shots on you? 
now the fit you you feel the need to okay I've got to come back I can't lose every round I've got I've got to, I can't take rounds off I've got to I got to shoot this double leg or I've got to get the tempo back to where I want it to be which causes Tyron to exert energy more energy than he's used to and there's Darren Till still hitting him with big shots or even if Tyron does to find a way to take him down Darren Till is one of the best at getting right right back up to his feet so I know it's not a lot that's what I'm going with um. Darren Till, I'll say this. I'll say Darren Till either, we've talked about this with other fighters, he has to knock him out. He has to find a way to stop him early. Um, or he has to find a way to make him fight his fight early and drag that fight into later rounds where Darren Till can win a couple because Tyron Woodley is gassed. I'll say for, for excitement's sake and, and for the fact that I, I really would like to see an explosive fight. I'll say Darren Till wins by TKO, man. Why Why not? Why not? Okay? Why not live a little and dream a little bit that Darren Till can walk in undefeated and leave as a champion undefeated? I'll tell you what. The UFC needs this fight. Regardless of who wins, they need this fight. Because it's going to produce either... Tyron Woodley's going to come out of it looking like a, just a monster, a killer that no one can run through. Or you're going to get a new champion... A younger guy that's undefeated that could very well reign over that division for a long time outside of a Kamaru Usman or, you know, any of the other killers in that division. Um, which round? I'll say he gets the knockout middle of the third. Middle of the third. I think strikers tend to, you know, smart fighters, not just strikers, but smart fighters tend to use the first couple of rounds to do, unless you're just, you know, severely overmatched at least the first round I used to feel out where the opponent is test their range test their distance and their tempo establish their uh what they want to do and then as the fight goes on John a la John Jones they make reads on openings that they can capitalize on and I think Darren Till will do so if even if it is because Tyron Woodley's really hard to hit but if it is something where he can just put enough pressure on Tyron to to gas him a little bit to, to make him come after him to try to get him to use up a little bit of that energy tank or that gas tank that he has that's when maybe some of Tyron's technique and his his ability to to slip punches and move and stay out of range will will begin to to fade away and then Darren Till can come in and overwhelm I don't think it's going to be one shot that puts Tyron away I think it'll be a co- combination of shots I know Darren possesses power but it'll take a lot to put to put Tyron Woodley away. I don't think one big shot is putting him away. Um, but I think it'll be it'll be a shot that wobbles, and then and then the follow up for the TKO. I don't say middle middle of the third. Shogun, let me know what you got, man. Um, elbow to the temple. Darren does have some nasty elbows, man. If he can get inside and catch one of those step in elbows that he hit Donald Cerrone with, Jesus, that could do it for sure. Elbows are definitely you know vicious vicious. Uh, weapons to use so I could see that I, I would say it probably be, for me it would probably be a straight left or an overhand left like he hit with uh hits to hit Wonder Boy with maybe behind the ear I could see that happening but uh Shogun till second round KO woo okay and look I'm not like it shouldn't be un. we don't know we have no idea the only person we've seen defend a belt or fight with championship pressure is Tyron Woodley you could say Darren Till has with the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight in his hometown. He's missing weight. Still got to come out and perform. Um, that was a big fight for him. That was a big win for him. 
But the man with the belts defended it in pressure situations. Found a way to beat guys that didn't look like they could be beat by conventional wisdom. Tyron Woodley's been able to do it. So it's an interesting fight, man. I'm excited. Um, thank you guys, man, for tuning in. Shogun, Josh, Kelsey, of course. Um, thank you guys for, for tuning in. I know had a lot go on, had some uh, issues, moved around, back on the West Coast. But uh, we are definitely committing back to this uh, to this podcast. The word of, of the day for me has been commitment. And I haven't shown you guys enough of it. I haven't shown... Uh, a lot of people in my life enough of it, but we are going to commit to this uh, and a lot of things in my life. So uh, thank you guys, man. I, I appreciate you being here. Let's uh, we'll talk a little bit. We'll do like five minutes around what's going on in, in the MMA world and we'll get out of here. Um, obviously, you guys saw Donald Cerrone, uh, Jackson, Winkle John, a little bit of falling out between their camp leading up to the Cerrone uh, Mike Perry fight. If you guys don't know, Mike Perry is in as is, is fighting out of Jackson's camp. Um, Winkle John specifically is his coach. Um, Cowboy been a, a Jackson Winkle John fighter for years now. I guess it came out that they had asked him not to train there for the training camp. Obviously that that's going to unnerve a guy like Cowboy, and he kind of spilled all the secrets over there at, and and kind of spilled the beans a little bit on Winkle John on on Joe Rogan's podcast. Diego Sanchez has since come out and, and defended. Jackson Winkle John and, and shouted down Donald Cerrone. Uh, all I see happening out of this is things that probably could have been avoided by a little bit more communication from both sides. Um, I think that neither side communicated well what was happening. I'm not there, so I don't know. But it looks like just a lack of communication, a lack of, 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 of loyalty from both sides to be able to figure that out. Guys have fought from the same camp before. It's a little tough, but... If you do remember back, um, Rashad Evans w was in that camp when John Jones was coming up, and, and they decided to go with John. So maybe that's something that they do over there at Jackson's. I don't know. Um, but we'll see what happens. That fight's going to be interesting. I don't know how much of a competitive advantage Mike Perry will have being in the camp that Donald Cerrone was in for 10-plus years. Probably going to know some things that, that maybe Cerrone didn't want him to know. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, of course, we have to talk before we get out of here about Conor McGregor. And UFC 229, probably going to be the biggest uh, event in combat sports history. Um, I can't wait, obviously. I don't think people that, that even are in the sphere of MMA know how big this is for the sport. Because regardless of who wins, the eyes that come to the sport, the eyes that the UFC is going to bring in, not only because it's Conor McGregor, not only because Khabib is 26-0, but this backstory that comes with it, man. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for stories, and I'm a sucker for, for storyline and drama leading up to, to a fight. It just makes things more intense. It makes it more real. Um, and, it, and it's just easy to, to see why these guys want to fight each other. Most of the time, you look at fighters. Okay, I'm, he's fighting him because he's a number one contender. He's fighting him because he's going to make a lot of money. These guys are fighting each other because he is. they, they can't stand each other. Connor obviously with the bus attack, like Shogun said, um, not his brightest moment, uh, but it is a part of the story. So I understand a lot of people were giving the UFC flack for including it in the promo packages after Dana White had called it called it a, a horrific act, and that Connor McGregor, you know, needed to to really reevaluate who he was as a person. 
Um, they included it in the promotion product, and I have no problem with that. Why? Because it is a part of the story. And if you're going to tell the story of how these two larger-than-life fighters came to meet in an octagon to duke it out, you have to tell the entire story. And that's part of the entire story. So I can't wait. They said Connor's not going to do a lot of media uh, leading up to 229, which, you know, for fans, for us, it's a little bit of a bummer because, you know, you we do love to see Connor get up and show us that gift of gab that he has, the way he talks trash, the way he, he you know, dissects an opponent verbally before the fight and, and has some way of, of being able to read people that not a lot of people possess. He can read people on a level that, that isn't normal, right? And we love to see that. We love to see that side of Connor. We love to see that side of Khabib, too, because Khabib is a stone-cold killer. On the mic, in the ring, you know, the accent helps a little bit. That Dagestani Russian accent is obviously, you know, hilarious. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, yeah, exactly, Shogun. Hor- horrific act on camera, but behind the scenes, absolutely genius. Connor, you know, went there to to confront Khabib, and I think he saw the cameras. Connor's a smart guy, wanted to make some headlines, and wanted to build up the fight, and it just went too far. But uh, this fight is going to be absolutely nuts. I cannot wait. Not getting my prediction yet. You're not even going to get me breaking down the fight yet because why would I do that when we got so many weeks to cover it? We're going to cover how Connor's mental warfare helps him in fights. We're going to cover how Khabib um, is able to run through and, and use basically the same techniques on every single person and how to, how to possibly neutralize a little bit of those and how to possibly neutralize Connor a little bit. Uh, We'll go through all that on the upcoming weeks. I cannot wait. But thank you guys so much. My picks, again, are right there. You guys can check those out. We'll have them in more of a condensed format when the fights come on. But, um, yeah, I can't wait. Saturday night, tune in. Hopefully, so I'm working at 2-ish. I'm working at 2. Hopefully, I get off before the main card starts to Pacific time. So I'm working at about 5 Eastern to Pacific time, and, and the main card starts, I think, 7 Eastern, or excuse me, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, so hopefully I can get off in time to uh, to fire up the stream and watch with you guys on the main card. We're, I'm going to try to, if I don't get to, I apologize, it's not because I didn't want to, it's because I was at work, but uh, either way, we'll have a post-fight breakdown either Monday or Wednesday of that week, and uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll talk about it, and I'm excited though. Thank you guys so much. Um, Shogun, my man, I appreciate you. Josh, appreciate you. Kelsey, love you. Um, everybody else that watches this, comment below who you think is going to win the fight. Darren Till, Tyron Woodley, who's going to win the rest of the card? Who wants to come take my belt? I'm the Wade Concept champ. 7-0, I'm calling it. I don't miss picks, okay? So you want to come take me on, get in the comments and let me know. Always hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button if you like what we're doing over here. And this is the Wade Concept. You guys already know we are debating everything. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time, guys.